Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Buckeye Bombast with Al Haven. I'm the boy. Exciting indeed, as it's finally here after two long, grueling years. It is time for the game. Winner takes all top five showdown. All the marbles. All the marbles. Ohio State and the team up north. Of course, we'll get to that uh, game preview in just a second. First, um, just overall reaction on the top 25 rankings. Um, Honestly, about what I thought it'd be. All the teams on the top 25 I actually thought would be in there. So um, I guess that shows you how predictable they are. Uh, but yeah, so Ohio State, where are we expecting them to be at number two uh, after they strengthened their resume and after their dominant performance, which we agreed with? Um, and how about that? Cincinnati breaking the top four. I uh, didn't think they'd do it, and uh, and they did. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't be get too comfortable yet, you know, if I were a Cincinnati fan, but um, they just have to to win the next two games look good and they're probably going to be in, uh, which I didn't think would happen. So, um, of course, meat chicken at number five, uh, and still some teams, uh, that, you know, have a chance if they went out, especially big 12 championship, uh, possibly even Notre Dame. So that'll be interesting down the stretch. Uh, no, no really major surprises. Um, I am not surprised Arkansas was sitting there at number 25, uh, I figured they still would be after their close loss to Alabama. Uh, at this point, yeah, I don't care all that much. Here's a four-loss team I don't think should be in the top 25, but, uh, I mean, you're a slim pick in at that point, so uh, it doesn't really aggravate me all that much like it did Mississippi State. But your thoughts? Well, my, my first thought is... Um Speaking for playing for all the marbles, when I look at Jim Harbaugh, when they show him like in a press conference or on the sideline, he looks like he's completely lost his marbles. And I I think that's probably why they've made it their theme this year to play for all the marbles because Harbaugh has none. He, He has lost all of his marbles, and so he's playing for all the marbles. Uh, my reaction is it's kind of interesting. I think generally um, the committee has just about myself and the committee. We actually have the same top 25, I think, uh, with a couple of minor exceptions. Um, the one most notable, I think, is the fact that my seven and four team that I have sitting at number 25 is Purdue. There. Um, seven and four teams sitting at 25 is Arkansas. And to me, that's kind of the thread that weaves its way through this top 25 to illustrate and harmonize the SEC bias. Um, now some might say, well, you know, I'm biased because I have Purdue of the big 10 in at number 25, same record. Well, compare the resumes, right? Uh, between, uh, Purdue and, um, Arkansas. Um, and, and you'll see that Purdue's is 
probably not a lot better. They're both seven and four, but it is better. It's a better resume uh, than Arkansas. And that's important to me because that weaves its way through. Like I said, I have basically the same teams in the top 25, except I don't think they have Louisiana Lafayette. Um, Otherwise, as I look through my list, it looks just like theirs, except the numbers are jumbled. It's jumbled in the top 25 because of that, in my opinion, that SEC thread that starts with Arkansas. I have Texas A&M at number 18. They have them at 13. And that just kind of cascades upward, so to speak. Uh, I have Ole Miss at number 10. I think they had them at number 8, right? So that uh, Number 9, I think. Okay, so was it Oklahoma at number 10? I have my list yeah. in front of me. I don't have theirs. I remember the top six. but um, I still think Baylor was ahead at eight, yeah. Okay. So um, point being is Ole Miss is slightly ahead because of that cascade effect of their SEC bias. Um, so that was one thing that struck me. My, my teams are almost just about the same, just jumbled numbers. And that pertains to the uh, top six as well. My top four, uh, Georgia, number one, Ohio State, number two, uh, Michigan, uh, number three, and uh, at number four, I've got Notre Dame. And it's funny, I, I post that on the internet, and people think, why, that's insane. Well, it's the same teams. Um, I just have UC back at six, um, and I have Bama at, at number five. Why? Because I don't have the SEC bias. You know, and I didn't have that trigger effect of Arkansas pushing everybody up further than they really should be in the SEC. Um, and I just I think you look at it. Notre Dame and Michigan compared to UC, they just have much better resume. So um, my reaction is I, you know, not too much of a rant. It's just the same old story. So why, why go off on, on a rant again? Um, I think the other only other thing I'd like to say about it is I uh, was reading an article uh, today. It was Jerry Palm's um, projection of what he thought the uh, top four would be, and pretty much the same as what it came out. But the interesting thing he said at the end, he just made a comment that um, nobody w- would get in over a 12-1 Alabama. And he stated it in such a way as to suggest, well, duh, that that is a given by default. We should just all accept it. And to me, it just, it was what I was going to see, um, this love affair that they have with the SEC. So um, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, All that being said, they did the right thing, obviously, in putting Ohio State up at number two. but yeah, those are my thoughts. All right. Well, uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, we'll do a couple episodes here. Obviously, we'll finish this one with the game preview. Figured we'd do a little, a uh, bit more in depth on this one. Uh, obviously, it's a big game, but they didn't play last year. Uh, and of course, you know, as hardcore Buckeye fans, uh, we love the rivalry, uh, even if. The team up north is terrible, uh, you know, over the past few years and hasn't really played it well. It's still a rivalry. We still have some games to make up, so uh, we still have everything to play for. So much like Michigan State, you know, we want to see 
Ohio State going there. Uh, Molly Wapham, take care of business. Uh, move Molly Wapham. So uh, we'll start off. Uh, this game uh, is interesting. Uh, this team up north, uh, they're better than they have been uh, the past few years. Uh, you know, you look, and, you know, I watched the games from the past few years like I always do, right? It's particularly 2018 uh, and 19 games uh, where the overthrowing issue for uh, Meat Chicken was their lack of edge play in Ohio State, you know, just beat them with speed on the edge, uh, especially in 18. You know, even the pop play, you know, the pop passes, the crossing routes, um, and the receiver is just able to run past everybody. So I look at it here because uh, this, you know, team's a little different. Uh, Meat Chicken has two really good defensive ends, um, and they, they've gotten pretty good pressure uh, overall throughout the year. Uh, I think they had seven sacks against Penn State. Um, uh, I don't know how much they had against Maryland. I know they beat up on Maryland, which we did too, but um, still I don't know when the last time they beat a, and they scored over 50 points on a Big Ten opponent was. So uh, that's the difference, at least in this team, right? They have the edge rushers. They have the defensive line. Uh, to hold you. Um, they've also been playing better in the secondary. Uh, they, you know, they still let up passing yards, but they don't get beat over the top uh, as much as they used to. So all in all, you know, it's a more balanced. And I'm, you know, saying all this because I'll get to everything else, you know, afterwards. But um, they've been playing pretty well. And that's something, you know, we have to be prepared for. You know, we can't just expect to go in there, especially since it's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, and just willy-nilly, you know, throw all, throw all over them. I think much like the Purdue game where they schemed out their their good defensive end, Ohio State will have to do the same. Um, now, we talk about this, right? We're not particularly X's and O's guys. I like to think I know some stuff. Um, but, you know, it seems to me they don't need to take both of, both of them out. You know, this is one of my keys to the game. Um we do have good interior. We have good, all good offensive linemen. Um, but the, the matchup really does come between our offensive line and their defensive line. Um, and I think you play to the strength, you know, um, a formation that comes to mind is the, uh, the pistol, right? You play strong side, uh, tight end or two, you know, to the right or the left. Um, you use a cro- you use a pulling guard to block. Uh, you, you make a hole and you go through it. Um, you could even use that for the bootleg play action um, and their, their quick slant routes, you know, out routes that they like to do. Um, so I, I think there are some ways uh, that they can work around the ends. They just have to scheme it properly. Now, I don't fully know what that looks like, uh, but I, I would think at least that they're working on that because, uh, you know, what Ohio State does really well is they use those quick screen passes, those quick uh, just slant out passes, you know, as an extension of the run, and it works. Uh, especially for this team. So I think that's, uh, I think the biggest thing um, that I see, we have to neutralize those edge rushers. The offensive line has played really well. And when CJ has all day to throw, uh, he'll, he'll get it there. Um, But we have seen before when he is forced to escape the pocket early, 
Um, he doesn't, uh, can't get through all his reads and he tends. Now he hasn't done, you know, the past couple of weeks, he hasn't overthrown. Um, but, uh, I don't know how many, you know, more completions will be if, if he's constantly running outside the pocket, you know, trying to force things. So, um, that's the biggest thing there. You know, we look at these numbers and I, you know, Ohio state is overall balanced. Um, they actually have the, the first, uh, rushing offense in terms of yards per carry, uh, at 5.8, of course, the third, uh, passing offense in terms of yards per attempt at 10, even. So there's no reason that this offense shouldn't be able to move the ball. Uh, and while the team up North may be able to, uh, stop a few receivers, you give CJ all day to throw. One of those receivers is getting open and Ohio state should have really no issue uh, moving the ball when it comes down to it. Even down 14, Michigan State ran right through them. Uh, and so I, I feel like Trevion Henderson could do the same. They just have to be patient. Uh, the key on defense really is um, that, that pass defense. Uh, Ohio State showing me that when they're keyed in, they can stop the run. They've gotten better at that. Uh, and, you know, the team up north, their first – inclination is to run the ball right run the ball first um mcnamara while he doesn't scare me he is a, has been a little bit better than the other quarterbacks uh especially the past couple of years and he can throw he, he can throw the deep ball not as accurate but he can do it um so you know we sure up the run make make him beat us over the middle and i i don't doubt that they might have some success uh but I say all that to say to say this, you know. I know you always get extremely nervous, you know, before the game. Um, I tend to not as much. I am a little bit more nervous about this game just because uh, they ha- they have a better team overall this year. But Ohio State just has too much talent. They prepare for that this game all year long. Uh, they'll be ready. I think they proved it last week. They know what they have to do. They're cl- clicking on all cylinders. I don't expect that to change. Um, they may have a couple. I don't think things will come as easy. They probably won't have, you know, six touchdowns in the row like they have the past couple weeks. But I think they will cover the spread at seven and a half. Um, and I think they'll win fairly comfortably. I don't know about, you know, six through three points comfortably. I hope so. Uh, that would be awesome to see. I know they can score it. I don't know if they will, um, but I'm going to go 45 to 24. Ohio State wins by a few touchdowns um, and wins fairly easily. I think the Buckeyes uh, truly are a top four team in the country. They are truly the better team, and I think and expect them to show it. That was beautiful. And um, uh, folks did not hear a lot from me during that because I was gently weeping uh, because of how beautiful that uh, analysis was. Uh (laughs) Okay. Um, So there's, uh, I was thinking about it. uh, You talk about that nervousness um, coming up before the Michigan game. Like I said, Um, in the past, I would get really nervous in the weeks leading up to the game. Uh, here lately, admittedly, I don't get as nervous about it until the game itself. 
uh, because you know we have dominated so much that it, it is starting to feel a little second hat. Um, but I think later in this episode, you know, I I, I think I've kind of discovered why that is, and it's more than just just the John Cooper years, and and that will allow me on this episode to yeah you know, bring fans who maybe not may who may not necessarily be familiar with the rivalry just give you them a little bit of history at least from you know 1970 um but getting to the game i think ohio state is there was uh, i think it was against purdue um i'm just going to use this to preface what i'm going to say there was a screen pass that looked like it was completely botched um, and it was, it was a wide receiver screen that Ohio state had and it, it, you know, it just didn't even get off. Right. I think they threw it, uh, bounced off the ground incomplete. The receivers looked like they, um, didn't know what the play was. Right. And then shortly thereafter, they lined up in that same formation and the receivers, spaced exactly the same and they started that play looking like they were going to throw that same pass but instead the guy who was going to block just went right up the field wide freaking open and you could tell that that play was planned and I hazard to say that what they did on that botched screenplay wasn't botched at all I think they did that on purpose and I think they set Purdue up I'm saying that because I, I do think that Ohio State under Ryan Day, you go back to when he was offensive coordinator and now to head coach, they just have a complete game plan when they get to Michigan. And I think they set certain things up. And I am going to say I'm either going to sound like a complete genius after this, or I'm going to sound like the biggest idiot if I don't already. I'm sure you know our half dozen fans out there probably rolling their eyes right now, saying, "No, you're you're pretty much an idiot." We we figured that out a long time ago. But I think Ohio State's going to pound them on the ground, and I think they've been setting us up. We've been wondering why are they going uh, right up the middle with Henderson. It's like they were making a point of it not so much just in the games themselves to establish the run or establish that I formation or whatever formation they were in when they would run that running back up the middle. But they wouldn't have a lot of success, but they would keep doing it. And I think it's tied directly to your point about Michigan and their edge rushers. I think that's how they're going to solve it. I think that they have been setting up to pound Michigan through the middle of that line. Ohio State has the offensive line to do it. Uh, Michigan's defensive line is good, but it's I, I don't know if I should say mediocre because, to be honest, I haven't seen Michigan as much this year as I have in the past. Um, but I never hear any of those names mentioned on the interior of that line, even when I am watching a Michigan game. It, it is the edge rushers. Um, I think Ohio State has a very distinct advantage in the middle of their offensive line to Michigan's middle defensive line. And I think Ohio State is going to set up that passing 
not the way they normally do. And I think that's another reason for you know the aerial bombardment the past two weeks, especially against Michigan State. I mean, they were airing it out. When they were up by five touchdowns, they were still bombarding Michigan State. Why? For three reasons. Number one, because Michigan State's uh, secondary pass defense is terrible, so why not do it? Um, secondly, uh, because, uh, you know what, it's like SpongeBob or some other third thing. I forgot the third thing in talking, but most especially to get Michigan uh, looking at it. Right, thinking, okay, this is Ohio State. We know their identity now. They did it against Indiana. They did it against, you know, name the other teams. They did it Purdue, Michigan State. Yeah, they got a talented backfield, but we're going to shut down that pass. But that's the way Ohio State's going to open it up. This is going to be a little bit more classic uh, play-action setup. I mean, they're going to pound Michigan in the middle with Travion Henderson, uh, with Mayan Williams, and Master Teague. And that's going to set up the pass because Michigan's going to have to adjust to it. And Ohio State will start nailing them through the air. That's my theory. I'm either going to sound like a genius or a complete idiot with with that one. So um, it really leads me to my number one key to this game. It is Ohio State's offensive play calling. And there's a lot that goes into this. I've said before, since Ryan Day was offensive coordinator, there are times when Ohio State will look like they did the past couple weeks and it is just brilliant on offense. But they intermix those with these games where it's like you're baffled by the offensive play calling. There just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. And so I've often said, you know, we need to play better defense. I'm worried any particular game when that type of thing will show up. It's never shown up with Ryan Day against Michigan. Um, When he was offensive coordinator, you know, like back in 2018, lit him up for 62. Um, The last time that uh, we had a game, you know, when Michigan didn't chicken out, at least, you know, they may have been crapping themselves um, on the field in 2019, but they at least didn't, uh, you know, chicken out beforehand. And so we played them in 2019, and, Ryan Day lit them up. Um, that's the key to this game: is genuinely come out with that consistent game plan. It's easy to say, you know, like you did against Purdue, like you did against Michigan State. And again, I think the game plan itself is going to be different. It's going to be tailored. But the point is, is to have a good, consistent offensive game plan, like you have had in the past for Michigan, because if that one thing happens. You know, I'm not saying that Ohio State can, will, or should score 62 or 59 or whatever on Michigan. It's possible. But what I'm saying is if they play like that, that's it. That's all they need. You know, they will win this game. That's the one thing. If the Ohio State has a consistent offensive game plan, that's it. Now, I think a couple of things have to happen there, obviously, you know, uh, and one of the key things is Stroud. He's never played, he's never been a part of an Ohio State-Michigan game. He's not an Ohio kid. Does he get it? 
because this is going to be the absolute biggest pressure he has ever had in his entire life. And so it is predicated on Stroud overcoming that. And if he can, big time. But let's see, how do you help Stroud, a kid who's never played in this game before? How do you help him overcome that? You take Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Master Teague, and you pound them up the middle where they are their weakest on the defensive line, where you know you can do it and you have the power to do it. Uh, I think that's it. Um, The other key is uh, just defensively. It really comes down to... um, We know that they've gotten into this bend-but-don't-break mentality, uh, and it's very frustrating. Um, I don't think that they're going to look like they did last week against Michigan State, but if they can be somewhere in between Michigan State and uh, Purdue, you know, if they can can be somewhere in between there, that's enough, especially if the offense is clicking – uh, like I just described. Um, they, they, it'd be great if they were better, right? It'd be great if they looked just like they did against Michigan State, save a few third and longs. Um, but if they are at least halfway in between there, that's to me the second key. I know that's pretty high level and very nebulous, but it's really that simple. Ohio State's defense needs to be somewhere in there, or better, obviously. Um, I think that is predicated mostly on the linebacker play. The linebackers seem to have come on quite a bit. Um, They, with the defensive line, have been very good at shutting the run down. And I think the secondary's been pretty good this year. Uh, They've had some moments where they've really lapsed. But by and large, they've been much better this year. They've improved as the year has gone on. And I think their linebackers are finally starting to come on. That's what you saw um, in that last game. And so linebackers coming on uh, in the defensive line getting pressure, similar pressure to what they get. They had a lot of batted balls against Peyton Thorne, um, so they'll need that pressure. I think at the end of the day, this Michigan team is the best team Ohio State will have played to this point this year. Um, and I don't even think it's close. Uh, as I look back at Ohio State, Ohio State schedule. Uh, Purdue may have given Michigan a game um, had they played, right? Uh, But otherwise, um, I think Michigan would beat Oregon. Um, Michigan would beat everybody else in Ohio State's schedule. Uh, And obviously, in some cases, they clearly have. Um, Michigan played a couple of MAC teams uh, that are 10 times better than Akron, uh, and they spanked them as bad as we spanked Akron. Um, Washington, I would put them on par with Tulsa, and uh, Michigan wiped them up. Um, Michigan has played very solid this year. They've been better this year uh, relative to other hardball teams in the fact that they've done very, not very well, but they've done pretty good on the road, where in the past they didn't do well on the road at all. Um, A couple of years ago, they would have lost that Penn State game. They would have lost that one. It, it, this year, they won it. Um, a couple of years ago, as we saw, 
You know, in that bar, we saw them get destroyed um, by Wisconsin, at Wisconsin. Well, this year, they went to Wisconsin and destroyed Wisconsin. So they are much better this year um, just by that one fact alone than they have been uh, under Harbaugh. But even beyond that, they are balanced. Um, They have a good—this is the best quarterback that Harbaugh has had. And as much as we like to joke about it, um, for the better part of the game, Wilton Spate gave us issues in 2016, right? Um, other Michigan quarterbacks under Harbaugh had, have played well at times against Ohio State. This is their best quarterback that they've had uh, under Harbaugh. Um, they have a better run game than they've had in the past, uh, under Harbaugh playing against Ohio State. They have some skilled talent at the wide receiver. Um, flipping over over to the defense, their defense is good. Uh, schematically, it's very different than the one that Ohio State put you know, 60 and 59 points on. Um, statistically, it may, it may look about the same or better or, or thereabouts, you might think, oh, well, we've seen that before, them coming into the game with a really good defense and we, and we expose them. Well, yeah, but this is a different scheme. Uh, once you expose them with 62 points and you knew that scheme, it was easy to do it um, the next time you played. This is a different scheme. So, you know, again, how's that plan going to look for it? So at the end of the day, Michigan is a much better team um, this year for Harbaugh than ones we've seen in the past, and we had to go to overtime with them in 2016 in Columbus. And that year we were a playoff team. We're a good team. So as much as we make fun of Michigan, and yeah, it's a it's bad. It looks really bad for Harbaugh that he has hasn't and can't seem to beat Ohio State. Yes, it's terrible. It looks bad. Um, all that being said, this is a good Michigan team. Um, the best Michigan team that we will have faced under Harbaugh and the best team that we have played this year. Are you weeping gently? (laughs) I I thought I talked a lot. Um, I'm just messing. But what's your your final score here? 35 to 23. Ohio State. Interesting. So how I arrived at that score... You know, one of the things and why I'm, you know, I'll end up putting my full confidence on this one as well is, and we'll get to the nervousness here in a second, but uh, rationally speaking, they have played six common opponents in every single case. You know, a lot of times you can look at common opponents and you can look on the aggregate and you can say, okay, one team generally played better than the other. Excuse me. Uh, but a lot of times you could probably go look at those common opponents and say, yeah, but teams X, Y, and Z maybe, um, the other team actually did better against those. In every single case, not only on the aggregate, but in every single case, Ohio State was better. You know, choose the team. Penn State, Michigan beat them by four, Ohio State by nine. Uh, Indiana, Michigan by 22, Ohio State by 52. 
Um, Maryland, Michigan by, I don't know, 41, Ohio State by 48 or something thereabouts, right? So nine points better. Um, Nebraska, Michigan by three, Ohio State by nine, and then there are a couple of others. In each case, Ohio State was clearly better. Um, also, when you look at the fact that Ohio State uh, plays against um, a couple of opponents on the road that Michigan played at home, common opponents, Ohio State dominated them in a bigger way than what Michigan did at home, if that makes sense. And the real point I'm making there, the best way I can say Ohio State is equipped to play on the road well enough against Michigan is that, right? Because on those opponents, Ohio State still looked better um, on the road. Um, I'm saying all that because on the aggregate, if you basically just on the six common opponents, you know, figure out Ohio State's average score, figure out Michigan's uh, average points that they let up, and figure, okay, well, if they're at least somewhere in between, so you half it, um, Ohio State should score at least 35. Uh, likewise, do the same with Michigan. They should score around 23. Um, and that's just looking at the six common opponents. Gotcha. Uh, one thing I will say real quick that I do agree with, especially the, the key on running <clears throat> through the middle. Uh, surprisingly, uh, they do have a top 10 uh, passing defense and yards per attempt. Um, but they're pretty middle of the pack in, in overall rushing defense and yards per right. carry. So yep. um, it, it is very possible that Ohio State could do that uh, and then light it up through the air. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that score. I think Ohio State can score a little more, but um, we have seen them struggle with better defenses, so it could be you know closer to what you said. Well, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, one of the other reasons about that, because you're right, obviously they can, but... I Michigan I really really do feel it this year that they they are honed in and focused on this game. In the past they've kind of talked about it and I think they've kind of ex- had expectations in the past that you know what this is a rivalry game so you know uh, our, our our time is coming we're due. It felt more like we're due. I mean think about the stupid revenge tour that they had, right? They expected it. Because it's a rivalry, you know, they've been beating us, um, this is our revenge tour. It's like they expected it. I think they they know now, they've got to gear up for this, and I think they are really geared for this game. And then you add to that the fact that Stroud has never played in this game. I think it's going to take him a little bit to get those nerves out. And that's why I, I, I think they, they'll, they'll stutter a little bit before they start that machine up and running. Yeah, um, I, I could see that. I think the biggest thing is Ohio State needs to come out like they did against Michigan State, just um, completely focused, uh, ready to go from the jump. Uh, and, you know, kind of like Haskell Garrett talked in school session, right? We're going to whoop their ass. He came out in the first play and, and got a tackle for a loss. It's that type of, of thing, right? That yeah. type of mentality. And go out and show it on the first play. And I... Th- I think they will be ready. Um, if, if we can get up a couple touchdowns, uh, they're, they are not equipped to, you know, score quickly uh, or score quickly through the air too, for that matter. So um, 
if we can start out like we did, I think they have a hard time catching up, and, and that could set the tone early. So uh, from Ohio State, that's what you know the game plan is. Go out there uh, and get them early. But, yeah, I'm just excited. Top five matchup. Going to be a great game. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. It is. It, 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 we have been waiting because we want to win all the marbles. <laughs> that's right. Um. So yeah, yeah. I was just going to go in very quickly to um, you know, address why I get so nervous. You know, I used to say, well, you didn't have to live through the Cooper years. Um, <laughs> Thankfully not. But I think it is actually deeper than that. My first recollection of college football was the 1974 Michigan State Ohio State game. I was four years old, and I have just like, you know, flash photographs in my head. That's about it. Uh, I just remember watching the game with my father and just have a couple of images of the screen in my head. But it was that controversial game in 74 where it took them about an hour or so to declare uh, who the winner actually was. Uh, and then Woody wanted to fight, you know, Michigan State's football team afterwards. Um, that was a loss for Ohio State. My next recollection of Ohio State football is the 1976 Rose Bowl against UCLA, where the undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes go in to take on UCLA, and Ohio State loses. So my first two recollections of Ohio State are losses. At this point, I don't have any memory of seeing Michigan. My first memory of seeing Michigan, unfortunately, was the 1976 game in Columbus where Michigan spanked us 22 to nothing. That's my first Michigan recollection. My third college football recollection, and now I'm up to 0-3. Um, my next recollection of college uh, football and particularly Ohio State was the Orange Bowl that year uh, when they beat Colorado. Uh, I got to see the first half of that because you know I was what five six, um, and I had to go to bed. Uh, it was at a, a night game. Um, then after that, my next recollection is the game against Oklahoma. Um, I, it was a Saturday, obviously. Uh, I'm on the road with your grandmother. We're in our Volkswagen Beetle. Um, you know, she's doing a bunch of errands. So we're listening to the game on the radio. So I'm hearing this game where Ohio State falls down like 20 to nothing. Uh, they come back and they're ahead 28 to 20. And we get home um, just in time to see Oklahoma kick the last second field goal to win the game 29-28. And so I'm like, what now, one and four in my initial recollection of Ohio State football? My next recollection so. is the Michigan game that year, um, and Michigan wins. A um, couple of uh, other recollections at that point. I'm starting to watch football. I, I remember them playing Bama and getting crushed in the Sugar Bowl and you know some of these other ones. But uh, my next real recollection then is next year against uh, Michigan when they lose – uh, like fourteen to six, uh, they lost the following year fourteen to three, uh, and that year, um, 
I remember watching them lose to Penn State 19 to nothing. I remember then watching the Gator Bowl where they lose to Clemson and Woody punches a guy and gets fired. Um, mm-hmm. So at this whole point, my recollection is pretty much one win and a bunch of losses, many of them to Michigan. It wasn't until 1979 when I remember watching Ohio State beat Michigan 18-15, to 15, um, bringing themselves to the Rose Bowl at number one and falling within a point of a national championship. And I think that's what it is. Uh, you know, Ohio State was good against Michigan in the 70s. They ruined several seasons for Michigan. Um, Michigan went into, I think, the 1970, 1972, and 1973 uh, games undefeated. So they could have won national championships all those years. And Ohio State uh, ruined it for them. Um so when you when I say hey I was born in the seventies people might think oh wow you know that was a banner time for Ohio State well it wasn't when I <laughs> was able to actually remember watching football um, so Michigan was like Darth Vader I mean I watched Star Wars in seventy seven you know I I saw Evil Incarnate as a seven year old kid watching um, Star Wars. And Michigan was like Darth Vader for me. It was like every year we play these guys, they beat us, and we couldn't even do anything. Couldn't do 22 nothing, 14 to 3, 14 to 6. We couldn't score. Even the year in 79, it was a struggle to beat them 18 to 15. And so my first several years of Michigan was like, wow, these guys are Darth Vader. Um, even though looking back in hindsight, uh, even the Ohio State was falling off with Woody Hayes. You know, he was obviously in his twilight. Um, and even though Ohio State was losing to Michigan, you could start to see that steady decline into mediocrity for, for Bo Schembechler as well. But I digress. Uh, that was just me giving a little bit of history, at least from the 70s, and, and, and kind of giving a deeper reason as to why I still get dreadfully nervous as the game approaches. Well, maybe it is the uh, opposite for me because I think the first game I really remember was that loss in 2000. Yeah, for you, Michigan's Uh, more like an Ewok. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and then I do remember, you know, 2001 season where they did beat Michigan but lost that, lost even in the comeback to South Carolina in the Outback Bowl. And then, of course, just... Uh, winning from there, I mean, of course, the national championship, you know, 2003 loss to Michigan, but pretty much just domination since then against uh, against Michigan. So, yeah, uh, especially as the offense has evolved, too, over the past, you know, since the start of the century, um, really the past decade, uh, and how just a, a scoring has become so, so much easier. Um. Yeah, I think, and especially the way Ohio State's been, you know, the past uh, past decade, especially with scoring. So, uh, I think that's why, because this is you know the best, the best offense, and that's saying a lot. But this is the best offense uh, that they've had, at least in my opinion. So, that's probably why I'm not as nervous. Um. I will be, you know, during the, during the game, especially since it's in Ann Arbor. But 
either way, excited and ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I will be the same. Uh, closer the game gets, I'll be more nervous. Um, but thankfully, you know, in making that Darth Vader comparison, Michigan nowadays is more like the, uh, what's the, what was his name? Christian Haydenson? I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, the Anakin. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're more of the, uh, the whiny, um, uh, adolescent angst. Um, <laughs> can't really beat anybody. Uh, Darth Vader. Um, you know, yeah, they, they'll have temper tantrums from time to time where they show some, some raw strength and power. Uh, but at the end of the day, they still get their butts kicked by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which would be Ohio State in this case. So, Which is probably a very, you know, just very quickly on the Darth Vader rant. You know, as a seven-year-old child, you watch Darth Vader come on the screen and, and truly you're blown away. Um of how menacing this figure is and leave it to George Lucas, you know, over the course of many, many, um, movies to turn Darth Vader into a complete yutz. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he, he was getting his butt kicked by everybody. I mean, Obi-Wan kicked his butt. Um, Count Dooku kicked his butt once. Of course he had to, you know, he had the revenge match, but I'm thinking, man, uh, he's kind of a wuss. Uh, and, and when they say, hey, Obi-Wan says, oh, he killed all the Jedi, right? He says that in New Hope. And then, of course, you find out, well, yeah, there were a bunch of little kids <laughs> in a, uh, you know, uh, in, in their Jedi camp. Uh, so. Right. Although in, uh, although, what was it, Rogue One? Yeah. Uh, that end scene, that, that was that was pretty badass. Yeah, that was pretty cool when they, they kind of had... Um, um, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon Vader come through. <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. But not as cool as uh, Skywalker uh, taking on the uh, um, Younglings. Iron Man inspired uh, droids oh, in gotcha. Mandalorian. Yeah. So uh, I was going to say something else, but I no idea after that. So. Go so, <laughs> so what you're really saying is, everyone who has listened to this episode has been endowed with another fantastic and very informative Buckeye Bombast with Bellhaven and the Boy. And for those... Uh who do listen regularly. We will have our next episode later this week uh, with our pick previews coming out. So stay tuned for that. But what he really was saying there is that you have enjoyed another fantastic <laughs> episode of Buckeye Bob Bass with Bellhaven and the Boy. <laughs> yes.